morning, my friends and family. It is truly a privilege to be with you this morning. Um, I get to be home for my 50th. On my 50th, it is today. Can you believe that Jesus was so kind that I'm here on my 50th? I get to preach on my 50th. And I get to basically preach. I was saying to Claire, if I could preach one preach my entire life, this morning would be that. It's going to be a bit of, if you want to know what makes Arno excited or how, what gets my juices flowing, this morning is going to be a bit of that. But it just so happens that it fits in with our series on the church and why we should bother um, being part of the church. So would you turn in your Bibles to Ephesians? Are we going to go there again? See a read of that um, chapter 1 this morning. We're going to go to Ephesians 3. What on earth is God doing in our city? Have you ever thought that? Have you, have you asked that question of God? Okay, what are you doing right now on earth? Would you like to know what the King of Kings is busy doing in our city? I'm gonna, we're going to share some of that this morning. Have you ever watched these documentaries? I love watching them. Um, when they go behind a, a magician and they show you how the magician performed his magic tricks and all the stuff that happened behind the scenes. I don't know if you've watched movies like that or documentaries. I love watching documentaries that... That, that shows you how the magician set everything up in, in behind the scenes so that when he got to stage, he performed the, the magic. Um, they actually show you it wasn't magic. It was all just uh, not a, a con, but it was all set up for you. Or have you ever um, gone to a friend and you want to go watch a movie and the friend tells you the ending of the movie right in the beginning before you even watch the movie? So there's a bit of a spoiler alert this morning. Um, we are going to look at what God is up to on earth in Scripture Actually, the Bible tells us what God's big idea is. It actually tells us what God is giving himself to and what God is busy doing on earth until the day that Jesus returns. There was a moment this morning when we were worshiping where I was thinking of this preach and I'm going, just on a Sunday when we gather, we leave our homes, we leave up the privacy of our homes and what we could be doing on a Sunday, and we leave that to come together into a building and to gather with others that aren't like us because we love Jesus. There's another gathering coming one day where we're going to leave this earth and the jobs and all the pain and the tears and one day we're going to be gathering like this on a Sunday in eternity where our gathering will never ever be broken up again. We will never ever run out of songs to sing. There won't be tears. There won't be pains. Every nation, every tongue, every color, every sex, every creed will be worshiping Jesus in eternity around one big gathering. And I was going this morning when we were worshiping like this, and I, I scanned our room this morning, and I went, this feels like a bit of that. Sundays prepares my heart personally for that gathering that's coming one day. Hey, and when we gather like this, it, it, it should in us create this hunger and desire and almost like I can taste it. It's like for me, if you're going to smoke a piece of brisket or whatever, when, while it's smoking, I can taste it like hours before it's coming. I know what's coming. And Sundays are like that for us. It's meant to design in us this taste in us for, this is not it. This is a beautiful gathering, but it's not yet it. There's a, there's a great gathering coming that we're going to be part of one day. I hope you, like me, can't wait for that day. Hey? And in times like this, when you hear that there's a family meeting tonight, you go, Jesus, come, come sooner rather than later. I don't know if you like that. I'm like that a bit. Okay, Ephesians 3 verse 10. This is Paul speaking. This is, this, um, I love this because... A lot of this resonates with me personally, um, but I'm sure to many of us. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gifts of God's grace. What Paul is saying, 
He was a minister. He was called to the gift of grace that God has placed him for the gospel's sake. It, wasn't, it was called for something, for the gospel, which was given me by the working of his power, which the power of the Spirit gave him the gospel and the grace that God gave in Paul. To me, though, am a, uh, I am the very least of the saints. We spoke about weakness and brokenness earlier in our song. This grace was given to preach to Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. What's happening here is Christ came, he, he, he tried to reach the Jews, they rejected him, and Paul said, hey, I, I'm, I'm not going to go to the Jews, now I'm going to go to the Gentiles, maybe they'll hear the gospel and respond to Christ. And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan and the mystery hidden for the age. So yeah, he's gonna, now he's starting to talk about this, what is God revealing, what is God's plan, who created all things, verse 10 is the big one for this morning, so that through the church, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. What is Paul saying here? He's saying God's behind the scenes plan. His plan for the world is going to be revealed through who? Through normal, everyday people like you and I gathering like this. The city looks and goes, this is what God is doing. Look around you. This is what God is doing. He's building for himself a gathering of people. And then the message puts it like this, and I'm going to read it because some of the language later on is just so beautiful. I can't read it any better or say it any better. This is my life work, helping people understand and respond to this message, the gospel. It came as a sheer gift to me. And don't forget, for all of us in the room, the gospel of Christ came as a gift to every one of us in this room. None of us earned it. None of us deserved it. It came as an incredible gift to us. Let's never forget that. A real surprise. I wasn't looking for it even. <laughs> I wasn't looking and I walked in and bang, there's the surprise. God handling all the details, sorting everything out for me. When it came to presenting the message of the gospel to the people who had no background in God's ways, the Gentiles, I was the least qualified of any of these. There are many Sundays that any preacher will tell you when we're sitting in the front row getting ready to preach where we do not feel qualified to preach the words that we're going to be preaching. Many of us get up going, we are the least in the room. We should not be preaching this morning. See, I would testify with that too. God saw it in him, and I was equipped. But you can be sure that it had nothing to do with my natural abilities. Honor could literally sign off there. Verse 8. And so here I am, preaching and writing. I don't write, but I do preach. Preaching and writing about things that are way over my head. <laughs> The inexhaustible riches and generosity of Christ. I love this. To task, my task is to bring out in the open and make plain. So I'm revealing. It's like unwrapping a present. I'm a gifts guy. That is my love language. I don't even deny that you can spend time with me. You can give me words of encouragement. You can do acts of service for me. Bring me a gift and you've made my day. That's just, I'm that shallow as a person. But the idea of opening a gift... And this is what Paul is doing now. He's saying, I'm unwrapping this gift to the world. And what is unwrapping? I'm making clear and making plain what God, who created all this in the first place, has been doing in secret and behind the scenes all along. See what he's doing? He's setting the, the church up here. And he's writing this to the church. <laughs> That's why I'm preaching this morning to us as the church. Through followers of Jesus, like yourselves, gathered in churches like everyday people and across the city, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among angels. This morning, 
angels in heaven are talking that all everyday normal people believe in Jesus, came to Christ, and are gathering like this. We are the talk of heaven this morning. Angels are discussing, saying, why would they gather? Why would they and why should they gather? Only God could shape this. Only God can build this. Only God can make this happen. You are the talk of heaven this morning. I don't know how you feel. Can you, hey? Angels are discussing us and going, how did that happen? This is a miracle what's happening here. Can you see the language that Paul is saying? Since through the church, through us gathering together like this, Jesus and God is revealing his heart to the city, East London. We could stop just right there. It's beautiful, isn't it? I love how people with gifts of writing do things like this. Do you know, do you want to know how and what God is up to on earth? He's working through the church. God is building a church towards himself. And we're going to see that in the, in the Old Testament and the New Testament. There's this beautiful um, contrasting scripture that you're going to find the exact same words used in the Old and New Testament. Just as Jesus came to reveal the Father. Remember Jesus saying, if you want to see my Father, look at me. If you've seen me, you've seen my Father. Paul is saying, if you see the church, you're seeing where we're going to. When you see the church gathered, now you know where we're aiming. This is what God is doing, guys. Just as Christ revealed His Father, the church reveals God's plan for the city. This is God's plan for the city. It's a, an, in biblical language, if you're new to church, you might find this word a little bit different. But it's prophetic. It speaks of what's to come. It is a prophetic picture of where we're going together. That's why this is such a beautiful congregation. This is every gathering like this is special because God has done and He's doing it. God's answer is to remind them of their identity and their purpose. Look at Exodus 19. It's on the board. We'll read it together. Moses went up the mountain to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain. This is what you must say to the house of Jacob and explain to the Israelites. You have seen what I did in the, to the Egyptians and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to me. The first thing God does is He's drawing us to, out of Egypt to Him. In New Testament language is He has saved us out of our sin into Him. We, are, we used to be orphans, lost. We had no hope. We were going to hell. And He dragged us out of our hell into eternity with Him. That's what He's doing. I've drawn you to me. It's a personal connection. I've called you to me. Now if you listen to me and carefully keep my covenant... You will be my own possession out of all the peoples. Hey, everyday people, out of everybody in East London, you are his possession. You belong to him. Not to anybody, you belong to him and he takes ownership of you. Hey, I hope you're starting to feel a little bit special today. My covenant, you will be my own possession. All of these peoples, all through the earth is mine. And you will be my kingdom of priests. Now he says to them, hey, you, you've got a duty. You've got, yeah, I'm giving you an identity and a purpose. You're mine. You belong to me, but you're going to be my priests and my holy nation. These are the words that you are to say to the Israelites. Like God is saying, Israelites are wondering who they are and why are they there. And he's saying, give them these words. You're my priests and you are my nation. And let's go to 1 Peter 2 verse 9 to 10. Many of you can quote this scripture. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's possession. It's exactly, can you see the wording? I wish I could put both scriptures there. They're identical wordings to what God spoke on the mountain to Moses. Now Peter is speaking this to the church, reminding the church of who they are and why they're there. So that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Out of Egypt into now his people, 
out of darkness into light. That's where we are. Once you were not a people, once you weren't a people like this, before you came to Christ, before you came to church, you were on your own doing your own thing. You weren't a people. You weren't part of a collective. You were South African. You were whatever language you are. You could say, I'm, I'm part of this tribe or whatever. But you weren't part of this. Once you were, before Christ, you and I were not part of this. But now we are part of this. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. See, ownership again, you're mine. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Can you see that Exodus and 1 Peter, identical language, deliberately used by Peter. Peter knew what he was talking about. He saw a church under pressure, and he says, let me remind the church of who they are, whose they are, and why they're there. I think we need to hear that as a church. We need to hear that in our lives. <coughs> Can I have some water? Sorry. This point this morning, he draws us in and sends us out. I don't know what the language in, in Afrikaans is a thing called a keti. I don't know if you know what a keti is. It's, it's not a slingshot. A slingshot is something that you swing and then you let go, isn't it? A catty, I don't know what the English word for, what is the Kosa word for catty? You know the one that you shoot doves and birds, sorry. It's like a stick with a Y and then you pull back. I can't hear. A sling. <laughs> Guys, I'm starting to wonder with Kosa. Itafeleni, ising, isalt, isugar. Is that, is that the secret, guys? Come on. <laughs> Isling. Anyway, but there's, the gospel is this. It is Isling. <laughs> the, he draws us in towards himself, draws us in, and then he releases us out. Imagine being the stone in Isling, and you never, ever get shot out. Can you, be a, can you understand what that feels and looks like? We're actually meant to be drawn into God and then sent out. He says, you're mine, but you go. You mind, but you go. You mind, but you go. We gather, but we go. We gather on a Sunday, but we scatter. And when we scatter, we're still going. We're still together. We're on a mission. We've got a purpose. We're still, we're still the same people. We're just not gathered like this. But one day when Christ comes, the mission will be over. We won't go anymore. Do, do you realize that? When Jesus returns, you and I won't have the privilege of going anymore. We won't have the privilege of reaching others with Christ and showing Christ to the world. That will be, it will be done. It will be over. We have the privilege until eternity comes, until Jesus returns, to still be going. That privilege will not be there in heaven. It will be done. The work will be done. You and I get to go. We get to draw in and we, sling, we get to release the catty. There's an isling theology for us in Scripture, or catty. Who are we? Again, you were not a people, now you are. Once you were not a people, now you belong to God. He's telling us who we are. We're secure in Him. We belong to him and he belongs to us. I think the Lumineers have a line in one of their songs, I belong to you and you belong to me. There's a mutual belonging happening here. He is our God and we are his people. It's not just I'm committed to God, I better keep God happy, otherwise he's going to walk away. No, no, God is committed to me. He is so, so good to me. He is so, so faithful to me. His mercy and grace comes towards me. So I'm secure, I can go because I'm secure. I don't have any issues with my identity. It's, it's all locked up. Not even in me being good enough for God. Actually, God is kind enough to me that I'm secure, that I can go. I can be released from his sling or from the catty. We were created by him, the church as a people created by God, 
It wasn't a good idea. It was a God idea. This is God's making. This is the king of kings, the, the wisest, the most gracious, the most loving being, God. And this is what he chooses to do, make a people. Have you, you could, God, you could have done anything on this planet, but you chose to make a church. You chose to build a church. You, you chose to build a gathering of people from all walks of lives worshiping you and sent out to reach their friends for Christ. That's your plan. Yes, that's his plan. We can look at church and we can get grumpy about church. It doesn't have this. We need this. We need some bucks or some ceilings that are with a rain. We need paint. We, need we can look at church and go, there's a lot. We can look at relationships in church and go, there's a lot that scratches it. It's not comfortable kind of thing. Are you sure God, this is God's plan? I'm going, yep, this is God's plan, a gathering of people. God's building a people. Is that all he's doing? That's plan A. And there's no plan B for him. There's no plan B for God. This is his plan, building churches. Planting churches, strengthening churches, releasing churches to go and love their cities. Hey, what you part of on a Sunday isn't just to fill two hours or come and, and get psyched up for the week because you need to get psyched up because you've got a, a tough week. No, when we gather like this, we're part of what God is doing on this planet. This is the almighty God's plan that we gather, worship Him, sit under His word, and then go and scatter into our city and reach people with, for Christ. We're going to look at that just now. He took us, says, he found us. We used to sing a song, I think it was Delirious in the youth days. Some of the guys will remember, I found Jesus. Is it, is it Delirious? Say, I found Jesus. I won't sing it, I can't sing. Although in worship, John gets me going every now and then. I found Jesus. And now we're discovering, actually, no, Jesus found me. Actually, they've actually recanted the song and going, actually, theologically, correctly, Jesus found me. I wasn't even looking for Jesus. He found me. Hey, doesn't that encourage you in your faith? That you're sitting here this morning, not because you found Jesus or you found religion. Some of my friends would say, I found religion. I'm going, no, 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 you didn't. You might have found religion, but you, you didn't find Jesus. He finds you. He opens your eyes. Sorry about this, Emmanuel. I've got friends that are fostering and adopting children that have been orphaned. And the scripture that speaks of, I've taken you in as my child. The language in the New Testament, I've adopted you into my family. Have you ever met or gone to a home filled with young kids, babies abandoned by parents, don't know who mom and dad is, just left on a doorstep? Or Have you ever seen, have you, has your heart ever broken for those <laughs> kids and go, hey, what can we do about these kids? Scripture speaks of you and I being one of those kids left to become whatever, forgotten by society with no hope, no future. Scripture refers to you and I before Christ as orphans like that, left to our own, not sure we're going to make it, not sure what our future holds. No future, no hope, no love, no home. That's how Scripture d defines you and I before we came to Christ. And this God says, no, 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 I'll I pick you. <laughs> I want you in my family. Can you join my family? I honestly think adoption is one of the most beautiful things that this society does. <laughs> adoption. Just adopting kids into a family. Kids with no hope, with no parents, with no future. Kids that are sick or too sick for the mom and dad to care for, left at a home. And we get, adopt, we get to adopt and bring them into. I honestly think it is the most beautiful gospel picture in this world of people or families adopting. Christ took us in. He took you and I in. 
how do we become more missional or how do we become more missions-minded or others-minded as, as, as a people? That's a great question. I'm so glad you asked that. The answer might surprise you. The answer to how we, we care more for others or we send or we go or we become more missional as a church, the answer is become more like Jesus. The answer is actually in discipleship, not in doing. It's not in creating a list and saying, you should do this, you must do this. The answer is, if you become more and more like Jesus, you will care more and more for others. And if you become more and more like Jesus, you'll want to go more and more like Jesus towards places where Jesus went to and be comfortable hanging with people that don't know Jesus and in situations that people that are uncomfortable that don't know Jesus. I've got a, a WhatsApp group with my touch rugby mates. Um, many of, very few of them are saved. And this morning, some of the jokes and some of the wishes I can't read in church. But I'm part of that group. That's where God's placed me with those guys. And they can't wait for Tuesday. I'm nervous for Tuesday. They, they can't wait. And they're all 20 years younger than me. But there's a joy when I hang around those guys. That I get to be in that conversation with those guys. I get to be a bit of salt there. And, and they call, some call me pastor. Some call me all other, other names I can't mention in church at Touch Rugby. But there's this ability to hang with people that aren't all clean and washed and that know Jesus. So how do we honor, how do I, it's so easy for us to go into do this, do this, do this, do that. No, no, no. Spend more time with Christ and you'll become, your heart for those who don't know Jesus will grow and grow and grow. And eventually, hopefully your heart grows so much that you want to do something. You want to spend time with people that don't know Christ. And you'll be okay with sending and strengthening and sending. We want the things that Jesus wants more and more as we grow in our maturity. Maturity in Christ does not mean I've been here for 15 years, I know the Bible, I can quote scripture, I can, no, 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 that's not maturity. The church in Corinthians would call them mature. They had all the spiritual gifts, prophecy, healing, all those tongues, etc. Yet Paul challenges them and say, you are immature. You haven't matured in Christ. You are, you're like children, the way you behave around these things. He says, but use your gifts for the gospel, for people that don't know Christ. So you're asking, how do we become like this? I would say get to know Jesus, read scripture, spend time. Spurgeon said, as a Christian, if you're a Christian, he says, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. I'll tell you why Spurgeon had that to say about Christianity. He says, every Christian you are, is either a missionary or you're faking it. And what he's, what he's saying, what he's trying to get at in the church, and Spurgeon can say stuff that only Spurgeon can say. He wouldn't say that in our sensitive society today. But Spurgeon is saying, if you're a Christ follower and you, and you don't love the lost or you don't have a burden for those who don't know Christ, I'm questioning whether you're even following Christ. Then you're not following Christ and becoming like Him. You're becoming... You've added Christ to your life to make your life better, to have the blessed life and to have a great life. If you follow Christ, you'll become like Him and you'll care for the things that He cares for. And you can't follow Christ understanding that Christ saved you and then not care that you should save someone else. Freely you've received, freely you should give. And He's saying, maybe you're not following Jesus, maybe you're following something else. Or maybe Jesus isn't your Savior, maybe He is your butler, your cosmic butler that's giving you all the things you want. But following him means that you're going to follow his example and love the stuff that he loved and give yourself to the things. So how do we become more missional? Fall more in love with Jesus. Fall more in love with Jesus. 
get to know who He is, get to see how He responds, see the grace and His love for those that were on the outside looking in that had no hope. You spend more time with Jesus, it's going to translate in you caring for, for those who don't. So if you say, oh no, I don't care about my friends that are going to hell, I've got no desire to be missional, I'm saying you're not spending enough time with Jesus. Because if you're spending time with Him, not with theology, not with information, not for religious duties, ticking boxes, no, time with Him, you're going to become like Him. Claire spent 26 years with me, and a half years with me. Claire used to eat her steak, super, super well done. Claire now eats medium rare steak with me. You hang around with me, she's going to become a bit like me. So there's a transition happening. You can't hang around people that you love and not become like them. Isn't it? Hey, young couples, when you get married, I'm sorry, but in 15, 20 years, you're going to start liking the same things. You're going to share the stuff. It's a good thing because you, you're falling in love with the person that you love, stuff and people. That's why we love the church, because he loves the church. Not because uh, it's good for me. No, no, it's good for him. Because he loves it, we love it. We have always belonged to ascending God. We have to realize in Scripture that there is almost no one in Scripture that makes it into Scripture that wasn't sent by God, that had a purpose to them. No one in Scripture did God save, bring in, and just say, sit down. You have no purpose. You just be my little kid. You eat, sit on the couch, watch TV, eat chocolates. You just be with mom and daddy. No, no, no. There's a purpose to every single person in the Scripture. Adam and Eve were sent. Abram, sent. Joseph, sent. Moses, sent. There's scripture. I can give you all the references later. Elijah was sent. Jeremiah was sent. Jesus was sent by the Father. Our very Savior, Jesus, is sent by the Father. It came to earth, not in His own, hey, walking in heaven one day going, I've got nothing to do, let me go and visit. No, no, no. Sent with a purpose to us. To die on a cross. If, if Christ is okay with being sent, boy, honor, you better be okay with being sent by God. You better say yes to what God, because He is sending us. The difference is some of us are just not saying yes to it. We are saying, no, 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 hang on, whoa, whoa, whoa. We get there, no, no. Jesus said, disciples were sent. As apostles they were sent out, and apostles sent out others. Jesus sent them into the world, John 17. Paul and Barnabas in Acts sent out um, to plant churches and strengthen churches. Titus sent out. Apollos sent out. Many Christians in 3 John 5 sent out. There was this thing that if you're a Christ follower, I'm sent. I have a purpose. I'm not to sit here and just vegetate and become um, slothful in my faith and just eat everything. I no, I'm, I've got a purpose to my life. It should come as no surprise that we are the sent ones, that the church is sent by God. He put, draws us in and then he releases us. Some of us need to be okay with God taking his hand. It feels like he's taking his hand off the catty or the he's sling and going, hey, go a bit. Some of us need to get comfortable with being away from the comfort of the pouch. <laughs> Some of us, it's like a, is it a marsupial? What's, is a marsupial a, a kangaroo? Is that what it's called, the fancy name? Kangaroo, a little joey in a pouch. Eventually the joey is so big that mom kicks it out because you, it can't evade the, the dingoes in Australia because it's hunting kangaroos. Joey's too big, he must run. Some of us in church are too big for the pouch. We actually need to like, take some risks and feel what it's like to be not just on a Sunday, in the workplace, at schools, at colleges, at, at a gig or at a concert or at a party, and be in that midst, in that scenario, feel, I'm here with purpose. God's going to use me in this workplace, in my office, in, my, in the hospital, in my, in my car. He's going to use me. 
He's still with me. I'm here for a purpose. He draws us in and then he releases us. Isling, I love that word. I'm going to use it all the time now. We live on missionary daily. And then he calls us priests. And I'm going to go there quickly. Every believer a priest. Every believer a priest. I know that you're aware of the priesthood of all believers. This is it. This is the game, yeah. This is where the game changes for you and I sitting on a Sunday. Is that in God's language, in God's view of us as his people, he sees every one of us as a priest. Not honor and seer or the elders only or the pastors. No, no. In God's economy, every one of us is viewed as a priest. 1 Peter, you're a chosen a royal priesthood. We get to be like Jesus, priests, you and me. Hey, I get to be a priest. I know it's old school language. I, I hear you. I, I struggle. I, some of our touch mates will call me a priest or a duomini or a padre. or They've got language for, for us. But the priest, what a priest, uh, and the priest finds themselves in the middle. A priest is always finding itself in middle ground. The priest connects God. It has a relationship with God. And it has a relationship with the people. And the priest's job is to mediate or go between, or be the go-between between God. It's to connect God to people, to bring God to the common man, and to bring the common man to God. That's the job of a priest. Priests are missionaries. That's what they do. They connect God to the common man, and the common man to God. That's, and you and I, each one of us get to be a priest. We have a priesthood upon us. God calls you and I to be that, calls Trebo, hey Trebo, take me, take who you know I am, and take the naughtiest oak at your school, and show and bring us together. Can you do that? And then Trebo starts going, how am I going to do that? Okay, I'm going to get to spend some time at, on the rugby field with this youngster, we're going to look at and get to know his family background, and chat, and when there's a gap, I'm going to show him God's faithfulness, and show him that God is there for him. There's a strategy to priesthood. There's a strategy to our church. The elders sit and plan and pray and ask God, what are you doing in our church? The main question we have to ask as elders, what can we do to release the priesthood to do the work of ministry? That is the main concern. Ephesians 4, the next chapter, talks about the teachers, the prophets, the apostles, pastors and evangelists. And then it puts an interesting word there. For the, for the work, for equipping, as gifts to equip the priests for the work of ministry. I've got such bad news for you if church is about I'm coming to receive and receive and go home and feel, wow, I, I can live the next week. Your church gatherings, our gatherings like this are equipping moments where God is wanting to equip you so He can release you to the city so that you have Him and something beautiful and useful to give to your friends that don't know Jesus. Your priesthood starts when you walk out those doors. Your function as a priest starts on the golf course and in the committee with your mates that don't know Jesus. You, that priest. For some of your friends that don't know Christ, you're the only priest they're ever going to meet. They're never going to meet me or Sia or an elder or your life group leader. They're only ever going to meet you. Will you connect and show them God? Will you take them before you, God? Will you pray for them? Will you ask God? Would you, would you name them and say, God, I'm praying for my friends? At our prayer meeting on Monday night, was it Monday, this last Monday night, we had a moment we prayed for friends that don't know Jesus, and we named them. We said, God, those are the names we're bringing to you. What are we doing? We're literally being priests. We're taking people that don't know Christ to Him, saying, would you do something for them? Would you open their eyes? I hope that excites you. 
I hope that's something you want to give your life to. That's what I'm going to give my life to. It's a priesthood that work together. A priesthood that draws close to God and that gets shot out to the city and impacts the city. A priesthood that, not just to the city, but to one another. The priesthood of all believers. We get to shepherd each other. We get to pastor each other. We get to, 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 to what's the word? Agitate one another a bit. If I love you and you love me, we're going to agitate for the good, for the better cause. We are going to cause some agitation. We're going to say, hey, this is not good for you spiritually. You can't be a mature believer and not see yourself as a priest, as a missionary. No, no, no. Something's wrong in the way you see your faith and you see church or you see your, your identity. Remember what, what Moses did, what God told Moses to tell Israel, identity and purpose. This is who you are, whose you are, who you belong to, but this is why you are. This is your purpose, people. And then Peter, the church that's busy being, being hammered and fed to lions, he reminds the church again, don't worry, they can feed you to lions, but you still belong to God, and he's still yours. He's your dad, he's no one else, he's your dad. Hey, hey by the way, you have a function here. You have a purpose in all of this. Christopher Wright says, the mission of God has a church. The mission of God has a church, not the church has a mission. No, we are his mission. <laughs> this is the mission of God. Growing churches, bringing people that don't know Christ. I'm sorry, one or two of my friends aren't here this morning. That I, that I the privileged in this church, through our relationship, lead to Christ. That if it wasn't for this church, would never come to faith. Because the church invited. I've got some friends sitting here that, have been, that dragged their friends to church. And their friend a year later came to Christ. A year later. But they came to Christ. Hey, isn't that... That gets my juices going. Hey, that excites our Father in heaven. We bring God to the people and we bring people to God. Maybe that will just help you in this idea of missionary. Honor, what do you mean by being a missionary? Bring God to people. Bring people to God. Just do that. Just... Find gaps to show God's greatness and grace to people. Find a way to bring people to this beautiful God. Hang with people like that. We are a priesthood. You're going to walk out of church a little bit differently, I hope, this morning. I didn't just, I didn't just go to church. I am the church. I am part of God's plan for our city. I am a, I'm part of the priesthood. If you're a Christ follower, you are part of our priesthood. We don't get to say, no, thank you to this. It's like, whoa, no, no, no. It's like my kids when they grew up. It was your turn to do dishes. You did dishes. Like that, that happened. You didn't get to say, no, thank you. I'm the oldest. I didn't get to do dishes. No, no, no. We all do dishes. We all get to be priests in this church for God together. And it looks differently. Leviticus 19. We're not going to go into all of it. But I've just written down 12 ways in how we can be priests to our city. Just, you can just listen to some of these. And some of these you're going to go, yes, that's my gap. How we treat the family and community with respect just how you treat others with respect. Loyalty to God over other. When, when you're saying, I'm going to honor God rather than say yes to temptation. In the workplace, in the marketplace, in politics, in business. Saying no to big deals because I'm trusting God. I'm not going to trust an underhanded, what do you call it? What are the, um, a bribe, that's the word. Generosity towards others. People saying, why are you so generous? Social relationships. Building friendships, friendships with people that are not like you. Shows a generosity towards them. Economic justice, employment rate, like what we do with the people that we, that we pay. How do we treat our staff? How do we treat those that are employed by us? 
Are we generous towards them? Social compassion um, towards people that are disabled or broken, broken lives, broken emotionally or even physically. Obeying the law of the land. Just being a good citizen is a mark of respect for God. Some of us don't want to hear that, especially not after 8 o'clock tonight. Loving our neighbors more than you love ourselves. Just loving our neighbors. Loving the, the, the neighborhood that God has given. Our sexual integrity as a Christian. What I do with my sexuality. I submit that to Christ. I behave in the way that He calls me to behave in that area of my life. Not treating ethnic minorities or racially in, in, inequality or love others that don't look like me. Commercially, honest trading, being fair and, and being a good business person can stick out in today's society. I know it sounds simple, doesn't it? Honor, is this how we do? Yeah, you can just live like that. Just live a holy life before God, trusting Him and you'll be fine. You'll be a priesthood. You'll stand out like a sore thumb, I promise you. What is your reward? Or what is our honor? If I live like this, what's, gonna, what, what's coming my way? Well, the first reward you get is Jesus. And the second reward is you get joy. You get Jesus and joy. You live as a priest. You live as a missionary. You live not just in your identity, but in your purpose of it. You will receive Christ as your reward. That is scripture. Revelation speaks of him being our reward. I don't know about you. I want him as my reward. I'm happy with that. But there's a little thing that comes with that is joy. It's unbelievable what joy enters your life when you say yes to God and obeying his call to our lives. Tim Keller says this about joy and mission. He says, the lack of joy in your life as a Christ follower is due to the lack of mission in your life. The lack of joy, if you say, my Christianity is boring, my Christianity has lost its joy and its excitement and whatever, Keller would say, because you've lost the joy of mission. You're not hanging around people that don't know Jesus enough. Claire does cooking classes. And one of the cooking classes she does is a couple's class where, where people literally pay to come cook the meat and then we eat. Um, it's, a, it's not a quasi-scheme or a plan. It's a very beautiful thing. But at the end of the evening, Claire and I do a couple's class. And most, most of the evenings, there are four couples that don't know Jesus in the room cooking with us and doing, like we spend three hours cooking a meal. And then afterwards, we sit around a big dining room table and we have the meal together. And literally... We sit there and you can ask Claire, with me not in the room, you can ask Claire, what are some of my favorite nights of my week or my month? It will be those evenings where Claire and I got to spend a meal, three hours with people that don't know Jesus and just be nice human beings to them and talk about church and half an hour into the, into the evening, they'll ask, what do you do for a living? And you'll say, I'm a pastor. And then everybody goes, well, oh, there goes the language, there goes the bottles of, of they hide the wine, they hide the language and everything gets... Then they have some wine and the language returns and it gets a little bit messy. And then Claire and I will have a meal with them. We'll sit at the table and we'll chat. And we don't get into big, deep conversations. But at the end of that evening, I am flying high. Like, I'm up here spiritually. Because I've just got to be a bit of a priest to people that are never going to see another pastor maybe or won't go near a church. I've got to show them grace and love and mercy and some generosity that I'm hoping will say to them, hey, let's go try the church down the road, or hey, maybe church isn't so bad, or maybe Jesus isn't such a stooge or such a sour guy. For the church, everyday people, we will get into trouble as a church if our eyes are on just us, and we take our eyes off the Great Commission and that God has sent us to.
we will get into trouble as a church. We will lose joy in this building, in this body, when we forget why we are. We are yet to be a priesthood to our city, to our friends. I want to challenge you this morning. Spend more time with Jesus. <laughs> Don't just settle for your identity. Settle for your purpose. Settle for, hey, I'm, God has equipped me and he has placed me for a time. I'm going to serve my generation well. East London needs us to get our friends to church and to get them saved. We need to reach the next generation. Church historians will tell you, in cities and in churches, every church is two or one generation away from closing its doors. Every church is a generation or two away from closing its doors if we do not reach the next generation for Christ. We have to keep reaching and bringing people to Christ. That is the priesthood of all believers. This is what we call to. Can I pray for us? Jesus was, was not just the priest that brought sacrifices to the Father on behalf of the people. Jesus was the ultimate priest who actually laid down his own life for us. It's just a different level, isn't it? <laughs> Instead of bringing a sacrifice, he was the sacrifice. He's our, he's our high priest. He's our example. So, on a how should I live? I said, look, look to Jesus. <laughs> his father sent him and he went. And it wasn't easy, but he went. And he knew if he went, what would happen? There was a joy to come. See the, the word joy again. For the joy set before Christ, he endured the cross. Jesus understood that if he said yes to the sending of his father, that they would, it will be hard and it's going to be rough. I'm not saying for one second this morning that saying yes to being a missionary or priest is easy, but I'm saying there's joy on the other side. There is a joy in saying yes to the great commission. Jesus understood that. And instead of bringing a sacrifice, he was the sacrifice. And this morning as you eat, make this deeply personal between you and Jesus and say, Jesus, you allowed your body to be broken. You shed your blood for me so that I could be in the room today. Maybe we need to personally say yes to the priesthood or to being a missionary. I don't know what language you want to use this morning. You can use missionary, priesthood, just a, a normal believer, a follower of Jesus. Lord, would you use me as your priest in our city? Would you release a priesthood over East London? As we eat and remind ourselves of what you've done for us, could we do that for others? In Jesus' name, amen.